All right, welcome Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here. This is Eurofolk Radio, and this is the Voice of Christian Israel, July 17, 2022, with my usual co-host, partner in crime, <laughs> uh, Prince David Martins of South Africa. How are you doing, Prince? Very well, thank you, Prince Eli. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the Dukes of Edom versus the Princes of Israel, okay? And uh, it's uh, it's something uh, that uh, needs to be talked about. And uh, maybe you could just go through it real quick, the, uh, the, the correct translation of the English Israel from Israel of, of the Hebrew. You're saying that's been mistranslated and it should be more like Ishar-L. So go ahead and uh, go through that explanation. Yeah. Well, Paul, this actually started quite a number of years ago. Um, I, um, I, I'll stop for a brief moment. I'm getting some feedback. I presume it will clarify uh, as we continue. But, uh, what I wanted to say is, um, as you know, I am busy correcting and repairing the Afrikaans translation of the scriptures. Okay. Um, what, we've, what we've been fed over the past nearly 100 years since the um, first official translation in Afrikaans in 1933, oh, okay. uh, there have been, uh, that was the first Afrikaans full trans- uh, Afrikaans translation. And over the years, I often stumbled across things that would seem like uh, total contradictions in the scriptures. Why would Father Yahweh, for example, well, first of all, why would his name be eradicated from the Afrikaans translation when in 1976 uh, I attended um, the- theological seminary and we were taught there that the name of the Father is Yahweh. Right. And why would his name be eradicated from the Afrikaans translation and never be referred to in any of the sermons or the writings of the people of the church, if I can call it that. Right. And so, first of all, a rather tough item for me to chew on, but it's been lingering in the back of my mind for some time. Also, what happened to the descendants of the house of Jacob, uh, if I can call it as the Afrikaans translation says, Israel. Now, one of the things that bothered me, even from my school days, whenever I read, for example, about Jacob's calling, in fact, Jacob's name being uh, changed, why would the Afrikaans scripture, the Afrikaans translations of the scriptures say, for you have fought. And the Afrikaans is, want jy het met God in die mens gevecht. You fought against God and man and won. And I wondered how could Jacob have won if he ended up with a battle with an angel. He ended up with a yeah, uh, dislocated uh, uh, hip. Damage. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and how can scripture then say that he had won or that he had beaten the Almighty. And, uh, of course, after the visitation of the angel, or during the visitation of the angel, it was revealed to me that there were many um, landmines and even minefields and uh, corruptions of the scripture in the translations. And I was given the instruction to be aware of it and also to make my people aware of it. And it was about three and a half, four years ago that one day after a radio transmission, somebody spoke to me and said to me, Dave, or David, if you know about these things that have been mistranslated or that have been willfully changed for the purpose of deception, why don't you correct this? Right, And at first, I rejected the the whole idea of doing that. I knew it was going to be a very tough one. Right. But I 
I prayed about it, and the more that I prayed about it, the clearer it had become to me that that was one of the tasks that I had to do. Okay. And I started doing this about three and a half years ago, and I've been working at it over this time, and I have stumbled across so many things which have just absolutely proved Judeo-Christianity's deceptions for the purpose and the sake of their deceitful agendas. Sure. And uh, the things, it, it was about two, two and a half years ago that I was in an, in an argument with somebody about the name Israel. Okay. And I decided, at that stage, I decided to then to go and do a thorough investigation into what was Jacob's name changed to because Israel was hijacked by the Edomites. And why would they hijack the name Israel? How could I distinguish between the name Israel pertaining to the hijacked name for the Edomites and the name Israel for the descendants of the house of Jacob? And what I discovered at the time at that stage already, and it's very clear to see that the consonants as given in the scriptures, in the Hebrew scriptures, are in fact Yod, Shin, Resh, um, Lamech. Okay. Uh, actually, Ayan, not, uh, uh, it, it was Yod, uh, Shin, Resh, Ayan, Lamech. Okay. Now, I did some deeper investigation into this, and I found that Strong's concordance states that the name is comprised of two other names, or two other words, which gives rise to the name. And I investigated the, those two names, or the, the, those two words, and the first word was Ashar. Okay. And Ashar means prince. Okay. And of course, the second word being El is the uh, shortened form of Elohim. And I did some investigation into that, and it actually means because the angel had named Jacob not Israel, but Yasharel, which means prince of the Elohim. And of course, that changes the whole game. Uh, in terms of naming, etc. And I did the same thing with what does Israel then mean? And Ish is man in Hebrew. Ra and El relates to the sun god Ra. Okay. Can you, yeah, can yeah, you well, begin yeah, to yeah. Well, yeah, understood. Uh, understood. It's also... You know, R-E, uh, pronounced Ray, okay, and Ray and Rex and Ra are, are all syllables that mean royalty, okay, like Rex, uh, Rex, uh, what's, what's the word, Tyrannosaurus Rex, yeah. <laughs> right, the, yeah. the biggest and worst uh, of them all, right, so it, it always means royalty, yeah. Yes, but okay. um, in during this, um, and, and this was only about two weeks ago, I stumbled across, while I'm busy repairing and correcting the Afrikaans text to read as it, as it is written in Hebrew, yeah. I stumbled across, uh, because there was, and, and for some reason or the other, these investigations into the true Hebrew scriptures is normally after I had gotten myself into an a battle of words sure. on either the the um, social media platforms, and when I investigated, um, for example, the descendants, who was Esau's descendants? Because somebody said to me that the uh, Ashkenazis, or rather the Khazars, is the <laughs> grandchild or the great great grandchild of Yafet which I wanted to investigate, and I stumbled across the descendancies of Esau. Right. And I found that, that in the Afrikaans, 
uh, translation, the current transfer, uh, Afrikaans translation actually states the stumwift, in other words, the tribal heads. Okay. And I decided to go and look, what is it, what is it given in the King James Version? And what a surprise, just about every English translation, which includes the Brenton Bible, the, um, the Geneva Bible, the Derby Bible, the Bishop's Bible, the Young's Literal, Literal Translation, they all depict the descendancy of Esau as dukes. And I wondered, what is Jacob's descendancy called then in the English translations, and I found them to be all called Prince. Okay, yeah. And I then went back to the Hebrew words, and it's two distinct Hebrew words. One distinct Hebrew word that relates to Esau's children that are called dukes, duke, duke this, duke that, and, 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 and they are spoken about as dukes. Right. And I went to the the English uh, or the the uh, Hebrew word for uh, w- what was then the title used for Jacob's descendants, and I found it to be totally different from the word, the title word that was used for the Edomites, and the word that was used in the English translation is prince, and in the Hebrew it is asher. Okay. Which means that that is exactly what Jacob was called. He was called asher el, in fact, the prince of Elohim. And that was quite an amazing discovery, Pastor, and uh, what a pleasure to then go and search for every occurrence of, for example, the word duke, and find that it's all related to the Edomites. Right. And where oh, I absolutely. read about yeah. Jacob's species, it all relates to Asher. Right. Exactly. Well, there's also, what, uh, it, uh, sorry to interrupt, but there's also an interesting connection in the name of Yahweh uh, under Wikipedia, I am that I am. Okay. They're discussing the terminology of I am that I am. Uh, the verb form of the, the name is Aya. Asher, Ea, okay? So Asher is uh, to create. Uh, I am who I am. Yes, I will become the... Yeah, Ashar. Well, yeah, it's it's a very much related word, okay? And uh, the fact yes. that Jacob was, in fact, the son of... Uh, uh, directly through Adam, right? Through Adam and Eve, and by yes. lineal descent through Noah, etc., yeah, Jacob is literally the son of God, so are we all if we are Israelites, okay? And it's fascinating that the uh, Pharisees hated Yahshua because he claimed to be the son of God, which he was, all right? More claim to that than we have, but we are also. He says, ye are Elohim. He says us, ye are Elohim. Go ahead. Yes, in fact, uh, Yahweh said to Moses that he had to be an Elohim to Aaron as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all very relevant. It's, that the proper. That, so you're saying that Israel, as properly or commonly translated, a, a syllable being ish, ish means man, that's how I've understood it, ish ra meaning royalty, right. and el meaning God. Okay. That, that's how... Uh, the King James and, and all these other translations translate it. But you're saying it should be Ashar L, okay? And L. so Ashar means exactly what now? Um, prince. Prince. And I think from uh, the, the name of Yahweh itself, it means son of, <laughs> right? Son of L. Well, okay. The, but I, go ahead. That which Yahweh, that which Yahweh had revealed himself to Moses was Iye, uh-huh. Asher, right? Iye, exactly. And you will know that there is a difference between Asher and Asher. Okay. Asher, this Iye is, I am. Yes. Asher, what? 
I am. Asher, sorry, yeah, I am. I am what that asher means what. Yeah. Or that yeah can also be I will be right. what or I will, whom I will be. Right. Yeah. Or I am, I am. I am. I am that who he who was without equal, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and, and so all these translations of the holy name Yahweh are uh, related to that he is the most powerful being in the universe, and he is in control of everything. Essentially, that's what all that means, right? But I think uh, it's important. There's a cognate here between Ashar and Asher. All right, that uh, exactly. okay. But uh, please continue. Okay. Just something else. At the moment, there is a very strong assault of uh, against the name Yahweh, and you cannot yes. believe how many people have oh, yeah. tried to, to convince me and bribe me into <laughs> propagating the Edomite name right. of Yahuwah. Okay, right. I don't think you have the same on your side. We're yeah, no, I've, uh, the name Yahuwah, yeah, which, which of course is is a total uh, misdemeanor against the true name Yahweh, because yes. there's no way that the name Yahweh can be pronounced any other way than Yahweh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's just Jehovah, <laughs> the Jehovah's Witnesses, but that is a bastardization of Yahweh by the rabbis. Who, who have claimed that the sacred name is too holy to be pronounced, namely Yahweh. And so they inserted the vowels of the word Adonai in between the vowels of YHWH, thus creating Jehovah. So th that's a, a Jewish invention. Okay. Well, that's exactly as you say. But I... Um, um, some years ago, I did a lot of work amongst Satanist. Right. And Satanist told me, um, the Satanist told me what they do, for example, they scramble the words like, for example, Santa Claus is actually a scrambling of Satan, the word or the oh, name yes. Satan. Santa Claus, yeah. Might, yeah. Now, what they did, and this was given to me by a Satanist, is that they took the vowels of Adonai, and they turned it around. Now, Adonai means the supreme being or the utmost master. Now, what they do is by reversing the vowels and inserting that into the um, tetragrammaton, right? Uh, they actually announce that he whom is Yahweh is not the supreme master by reversing <laughs> the... That's right. And that was done by the Freemasons. Now, the moment you, you hear the word Yehovah, right. you must know that it is in a, a, con, a, contrive, uh, a contriving by, uh, by the Freemasons, and that is given in the translations. Just about all the English translations make use of Ye Jehovah. Now, the other thing that I wanted to say, and this is very important, the in the Afrikaans translation, now in, in the King James Version, you will find that the name Jehovah is entered four times in where it is normally used as the Lord. Right. Now, in Afrikaans, that Jehovah is not entered in any way in the Afrikaans translation. They actually removed the name Yahweh 6,828 times just between Genesis and Malachi. Right. 6,828 oh, yeah. times right. the name of Yahweh was removed and replaced with the Afrikaans version of the Lord. And what we do know is that the Lord is also given in dictionaries in the English language as Baal. And it's also given as Baal in the scriptures itself, the Lord Baal. And yes. people have not 
realized that they've been misled and beguiled by these Edomite translators of the well of the Afrikaans churches because in Afri- the Afrikaans churches have uh, always been uh, dominated, controlled, uh, and and created by these Edomites. Yes, yes. Well, I've I've dealt with a lot of these uh, Yahweh deniers. And uh, one of them, his name escapes me right now, is uh, is that Yahweh was one of the gods, as you mentioned, mentioned Baal, of the Canaanites, okay? But uh, that's easily explained because the, the Canaanites worshipped every deity under the sun, at least the ones that they were familiar with, right? And, uh, and they probably yeah. did worship Yahweh under diff- a different aspect, not as the monotheistic god of the Hebrews and Israelites, but as a local god, okay? And so, go ahead. One of the claims that have been leveled against me was, uh, is that uh, Yahweh was the the grasshopper god of the Egyptians. Okay. And then also, he was the god of war to the Canaanites. Right, and there you go. That is like example the ten plagues that Father Yahweh had yeah. uh, sent over the Egyptians. Uh, they would have named him not just the grasshopper um, god, but also the blood god of the Nile. The right. That is what they. Whenever they couldn't explain something, uh, the god of the frogs, for example, they they worshipped multiple gods. Whenever there was a. Uh, um, uh, plague of frogs, they would blame it on the frog god. Whenever there was a plague of uh, um, uh, uh, locusts, they would call the the or ascribe that to the locust god, having uh, sent his locusts to <laughs> to invade the land. Right. So it is right. very common for the the Egyptians to have called Father Yahweh the. God of the frogs, or right. the God of the locusts. Sure, the ab- absolutely. Of- yeah, the Canaanites too, because the Canaanites were subject to the Egyptians in those days, right? We have the same uh, uh, you know, linguistic problem with the what we say, amen, or amen. Okay, so amen yeah. was an Egyptian god. It doesn't mean we worship an Egyptian god when we say amen. In the Hebrew, it simply means so be it. <laughs> okay, so uh, we may have the same word, but our meaning is like a hundred percent different. And the same is true with yeah. uh, the Canaanite use of the name of God. If they use Yahweh at all, it was very rarely. Okay, and they certainly didn't mean yeah. Yahweh to be the monotheistic God of the Israelites. Absolutely not. Okay, but this is what this is uh, the, the nonsense that's coming out by mainstream academics, you know, stuffed shirt academics who want, to, uh, who want to attack the Bible, right? That's all this is really about. They just want to attack the Bible. Yeah, back to you. If, if one considers that mainstream media, including that of the universities, have always been under the control of the Edomites, the Kazarian, the evil Kazarian Edomites, right. um, and, and I sent you that link Right, um, which is very interesting um, uh, piece of writing. It's not very good language. Uh, the, the two gentlemen who wrote it, I think, were in a hurry to get that document out before some. Well, at some stage, right. So it isn't very language that they use, and it's not very doesn't read uh, informative, well. But it is very, very important. Um, uh, a, like a chain of things which they actually use, but um, right. I spent about most probably about eight weeks, nine weeks talking about that just in relation to the Boers and the effect that it had on the Boer people and the way right. in which this evil Kazarian mafia had also infected the Boers' history and changed the Boers' history to fall in line with their agendas. Right. Well, here, and of course, the take that gone. Yeah, being agents to that. I'm just looking up one of the authors of one of these books that claims that Yahweh is not the God of the Bible, and he says 
Now, the subject I would like to talk about is the identity of the God from the Old Testament in the Bible, comma, Yahweh. As I consider myself a Gnostic, I'm one of those who don't believe that Yahweh is the loving Father who sent Jesus to us. The fathers of Gnosis, like Marcion of Sinope, hell, or Sinope, held the thesis that Yahweh was not the God preached by Jesus. Okay, so this idea has its origin in Gnosticism way back, <laughs> way back already, okay? And so all these Gnostics who go you know, looking for truth in Gnosticism are barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. All right, back to you. Yes, Pastor. In fact, uh, we see that already during the days of um, Yahushua on, on the earth. Yes, uh, at every possible um, uh, juncture, uh, uh, they would actually use the Messiah's own words in an attempt to be a stumbling block to him and his ministry. Sure, they did right. that again, again. And that is exactly what they also did with Paul. And that's also what they doing with people like yourself and myself, right. trying yes. to get us to a point where we will be, be stumbling. Okay. Right, right. Well, here. Yeah. So I've done several shows in recent months about the discovery of the lead tablet at Mount Ebal, okay, which uh, dates right back to the time when the Israelites were getting ready to invade Canaan, okay? And the, the curse, it's called the curse tablet. And on that tablet is the name of Yahweh written twice as we just said, uh, Eya uh, Asher Eya, okay, and the and the the word Hebrew word for curse many 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 times on that same tablet, okay, and that's, that was found at Mount Ebal. It's obvious that that lead tablet was left there or possibly lost there as a memorial to the name of Yahweh uh, used by Joshua and the Israelites who were pronouncing those curses curses on Mount Ebal. So. I mean, that's proof positive that the Israelites were using the name of Yahweh, and it's right there on that tablet. Many, yeah. many more tablets containing that name all over the place among the Israelites, but not among the Canaanites. Uh, Pastor, there is also a very interesting thing now. I don't believe everything that um, uh, Dros Michael Drosnan had written in the, um, uh, the Bible Code. Oh, he's a I Jew, isn't he? About is he a Jew, Michael Drosnan? He is a Jew, but um, what he had discovered, he wrote in a book called um, The Bible Code. And in that um, book, he what he did was he actually wrote algorithms where in which he fed the whole um, Hebrew scriptures. That's the Tanakh. He actually entered that in the, in, in, into the program on his computer, and he found that there was a very definite rhythm of the occurrence of the alphabetic letters of the Hebrew language. Okay. And with that, he stated that he could actually identify those things that did not fit into the pattern, but it was also a what he discovered was that there was a definite fixed interval between specific letters. And that fixed interval, if that is broken, it basically means that something was entered in between or left out. And that is a very interesting thing. And, and you could also, do you know, for example, in computer hardware, you could, by using... Two hard disks. There's algorithms written that would, if one disk, for example, fails, and you replace that one disk in the what they call a RAID system, that second disk could rebuild all the data on the first disk. Okay. It's called RAID. The button, what the acronym meant, but it. it uh, and there are various levels of RAID, RAID 0, RAID 1, and RAID 2, I think. Okay. And it uses different algorithms for the storage of the data 
and also for the retrieval of the data and then for the recovery of the data which will be lost if the first disk or one of the disks okay. should fail. Right, right. Okay. Yes, if, okay. By using similar algorithms, you could actually reconstruct that which had been corrupted uh, in the scriptures. Right, okay. So then something else also, uh, which um, somebody who did a deep investigation into the Hebrew scriptures says that there is like a a poetic rhythm to all the scriptures. Right. And you could, for example, in, in many of the Psalms, that poetic rhythm is by virtue of words that have um, similar, well, similar sounds, but different meanings. Right. Very similar to what you find in a poem. Uh-huh. And with that, also, for example, relate to the actual pronunciation of the name of Yahweh as Yahweh. Right. Okay. In yeah. fact, in fact um, even the English pronunciation of Yahweh right. is not correct. It's with the lower lip against the upper. Yeah, it's, it's actually a V. It's actually so a V, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, for the English people, it's easier to pronounce Yahweh right. than it would be to say Yahweh. For the Germanic people, it's easier to say Yahweh than right. it is to say Yahweh. I think the English speakers are the only ones who pronounce it like a W. Everybody else pronounces it like a V. Yeah. Well, okay. in Africa, it's also like a W bar. It is. Okay. V. Okay. Yeah, so you're kind of like we- halfway between a W and a V. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, with a W, you don't put your lips together. With the V, you, you have to you know, kind of purse your lips to pronounce the V. But uh, to, to your point, uh, the, uh, there's a, a Russian atheist by the name of Ivan Panin, P-A-N-I-N, mm. who, who totally uh, hated the Bible, and he started investigating the Bible yeah. in, in order to prove it wrong, okay? And then what he started doing, he started adding up the numerical values of the words in the Hebrew scriptures, and this is true of Greek as well, and he found that each word, not just each word, but every, of course, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet has a numerical value, okay? And then when you add the numerical values of these words together, you get uh, meanings. You, you get, uh, as you're saying, there's a rhythm to this, okay? And yeah. so the same thing for whole sentences and whole passages of Scripture. When you add the numbers together, those numbers have a, a systematic meaning to them. And so th- this would lend credence yeah. to what you were saying you know, a moment ago. Okay, he became he hmm. came a true Bible believer after he discovered the numerical relationship of the verses, words, phrases, etc., definitions, etc. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's just amazing. I I, I think if we really go and investigate um, the scriptures in in Hebrew, we will find that we will be able to um, uh, what do you say it. Um, lay every um, uh, every attempt to give the scriptures as or to uh, every attempt to make the scriptures as irrelevant or the uh, fabrications of man we will be able to lay that aside or set that aside by virtue of the facts that we find in the scriptures right yeah okay I'm just posting the link to Ivan Pannon's work in the chat room. It's called Biblical Numerics. It's not numerology. It's Biblical Numerics showing that the uh, combinations of Hebrew letters with with their numerical value have meaning. I mean, he found this absolutely astounding that that these meanings could be derivable from numbers, (laughs) right? Okay, and uh, and so there's a Berean article there that describes his work and how he became a believer. Okay, 
All right, so, but let's get back to our original premise here that, uh, you know, uh, it's, it should be Ashar El, and Ashar meaning prince, and El meaning God, right? Or Elohim, okay? Now, in, uh, what is it? In, uh, what uh, chapter is it? Uh, chapter Genesis chapter 36, right? Is where... <laughs> Uh, Esau comes along and his and his clan, his entire clan, and it says Esau's descendants. Now, of course, Esau was the brother of Jacob, and Esau tried to kill, and he wanted to kill Jacob, but his mother, their mother, Rebecca, uh, sent Jacob away for safety. Okay, other Esau, otherwise Esau would have killed him, right? And so we're told. And we're told in other places too, verse Genesis thirty six two, Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada and the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Aholibama, the daughter of Ena, the daughter yeah. of Zibion the Hivite. Okay, so we're told that uh, oh hold on, Esau took all these wives of the Canaanite, which are non-Israelite people, right, and and then he also and Aholibama, uh, the daughter of Zibion the Hivite, and Bashamath, Ishmael's daughter of Neboah. So all these, except for uh, Bashamath, who was a, a, a daughter of Ishmael, which would have been an acceptable marriage because the Ishmaelites were of Hagar and Abraham. But nevertheless, the covenant, the covenant goes through Isaac, <laughs> right? And Isaac's direct descendants, and if if Esau had not uh, rejected his birthright, then my, my thinking that this marriage, this latter marriage, would have counted. However, he went and married all these Hittite women, right? Which proves that he's a traitor, right? So, so every, well, everything, a, go ahead. Uh, I have a different view on that. Okay. I have reason to believe that that, and I think I have mentioned it before, that when we look at the, uh, at the time when Rebecca was heavily pregnant with his twins in her body. Okay. And they were continuously fighting. Now, this was Esau already yes. attempting to kill Jacob. Right. In the womb. womb. Yeah, I get you. Yep. Rebecca went and she consulted because I have reason to believe that she even considered um, suicide. Ooh, because okay. she asked the question, if this is what is happening, what am I living for? Right. And she went and she consulted Yahweh and she spoke with Yahweh and she, Yahweh said to her that in her belly, in the English translation, it says that Yahweh said to her that in you, your womb, you have two manner of people. Right. Not two different. But that two manner of people actually relates to races. Two different races okay. is present in her belly. Right. Now, those two races, one can follow and trace their migrations all the way through scriptures, as well as all the way through history, the true history. And those two races are the two races that actually came to the Cape, and the second race that came to the Cape, and they were both Adamites. They were both seen as white races. Yes. Esau's descendants were seen as white races, as well as the descendants of the house of Jacob. Now, the a way of their behavior, their mannerisms, revealed their identity. And this we see so clearly in, in between the Afrikaners and the Boers. The Boers, having always been the ones that moved, they were tracking away from the Edom, who were the Afrikaners. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a well. That could be. You know, it's it's really difficult to prove that Rebecca was inseminated by some other person, uh, but. Uh, Nevertheless, you know, there are enough evil white people around <laughs> to, who, be, who become race traders and become vicious enemies of us, right? So uh, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. f- find uh, any evidence online that 
Esau had a father other than uh, Isaac. Okay, so, so what's one, go ahead. one of the one of my arguments in that regard is that the Pharisees were descendants of Esau. That oh, for sure, very clearly defined. And now, right, Yahusha said to the Pharisees, he called them what? Children of the viper. Right. Which means, go and look at the Greek words. Now, we don't have the Hebrew words, although I know that the scriptures, the, um, the, the writings of the Nazarene, the, the Nazarenes, which we call, or which have been given to us as the New Testament, were also written in Hebrew and not in Greek as is commonly um, purporting to be. Yes. Now, in this regard, we see that um, the Greek words that relate to the children of the viper is actually the seed of the viper or the sperm of the viper. Right. Now, we know that Satan is the viper. Now, the, the Pharisees themselves had laid claim to be children of Abraham. And by being children of Abraham, we can then see that they demanded to be acknowledged as children of Abraham. Right. However, that is also why the Edomites uh, propagate the principle of the circumcision, because they claim to be children of Abraham by virtue of the fact that they are circumcised in the flesh. Right. However, think about this. The Jews claim their, uh, their genealogy via the mother. Right. Why would it be by the mother? Because they know that they are not children of a Isaac, so they call their genealogy, right. or they claim their genealogy through Rebekah, was also a Semite. Right, right. Oh. Well, yeah, I don't know if they claim their genealogy. Well, certainly through Abraham, they claim their genealogy through Abraham. That's what they do in John chapter 8, right? But because Esau married into the Canaanite tribes uh, who have the seed of Lucifer, the seed of Cain in them, and, uh, and this goes through the mother, <laughs> right? That's why the Jews reckon their heritage through the mother, Right, so I don't know if that points back uh, to Rebecca or to the two Canaanite, the three Canaanite wives that Esau married. Okay, back back to you. The Canaanites, the Canaanites were the descendants of Ham, and the Hittites were the descendants of the Canaanites. So right from Ham, the Canaanites. Each, one of Ham's son, sons was called Canaan. Right, and one of Canaan's sons was called. Hittite, or Hitt. Right. Half. Uh, yeah, was half. Yes. And three right. descendants were the Hittites. Right. So, well, yeah, well, that's because um, Cain had um, married into the tribe of Kenites, namely the, the descendants of Cain. So we have the same situation with Canaan as with Esau, because uh, uh, Canaan had to be white. He had to be white because he was a product of incest between Ham and his mother. Okay, and that's why Noah cursed Canaan. He didn't curse him, which he probably should have done too, but he cursed Canaan, and so Canaan was cast out. And he, what did he, who did he marry into with? He married in with the Canaanites, the children of 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 Cain. Okay, and so yeah, yeah. it's it's the, through the mother that the Jews reckon their heritage because they can't claim it through the father as we do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, but they still claim to be Semites, and of course they are not. No, uh, not. Esau's ascendancy uh, is not through the same. Uh, is not through Sem. Well, well, they could claim that through uh, uh, Esau's wife by, uh, by Hagar, you know, a daughter of Hagar, because she was a Shemitic, you know, uh, she, she uh, and so was Keturah. Okay. But yeah, uh, yeah but Hagar Hagar may have been an Egyptian also, namely a Hamite, but by virtue of the fact of being uh, Abraham's wife, his descendants through her would also be considered Shemites, all right? And they're part of the broader, you know, the the, the uh, Genesis twelve three, 
that, uh, that broader people of the descendants of Abraham who would be a blessing to the world. And in fact, even the Ishmaelites, uh, now known as Arabs, were a blessing when before they started before they started practicing Islam, <laughs> right? And uh, you know because they oh. they were excellent in mathematics, they built uh, you know uh, very intricate you know dome shaped structures. It was a high culture before Islam. It really was. Okay, back to you. Well, something that also needs to be said is that. Uh, if you go and read into um, the history of the um, Arabs, you will find that the Arabs were also intermarrying the yes. Edomites. Yeah, right, yeah. And, yeah. And also, Islam came about from the Roman Catholic Church. One of the bishops who was in line to become a pope was not voted in to become the pope, so he went and he created <laughs> Islam okay. as a counter-religion against the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Uh, angry, uh, just like uh, Charlie Manson couldn't get a record deal, so he murdered everybody, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that happens <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, well, okay, so, yeah, there's absolutely no doubt that the Jews reckoned their heritage through the mother. In fact, the Israeli state uh, says, well, what's the definition of a Jew? Well, a Jew is someone who has a Jewish mother. That's their definition of it. You know, no recollection, exactly. no recognition at all of the paternal heritage of Israel. Right? Yeah. I, mean, and, you know, I mean, that's absolute proof that they're not Israel. Right? But nobody thinks about it. Right? Well, yeah, go if, ahead. If one considers, when one considers when Esau could not kill Jacob, what did he do? He implemented plan, plan B. Right. He was going to, and this is what he did. He assimilated yes. Jacob's descendants for the purpose of, of doing bad and evil things and blaming it on Jacob. Right. And that is... As they do today. To the, <laughs> right. That is led to the edict, edict of Alhambra, which, of course, uh, caused the uh, Spanish king and queen to uh, ban all the Sephardic Jews out of Spain. Right. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, they've been, they've been a curse to not only us, but to the entire world ever since... Uh, exactly. Ever since Esau married into the Canaanites, <laughs> they've been a total curse. You know, they, they basically picked up the curse of Cain, and so did so did Canaan. Mm. So by marrying into that evil bloodline, okay. So, but Bashamath yeah. was Ishmael's daughter, and uh, you know, and what's his name? Uh, Esau married her. So that's the only real claim that you know, because Esau's blood uh, via his descendants. Is so full of Cain and uh, and all these evil bloodlines that there's no way he could be any Edomite could be an Israelite. There's absolutely no way. Okay, but well, you bring Paul, up. Genesis, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. In Genesis thirty six twenty nine, in just about all the English translations of the scriptures, one sees that uh, it reads like this. These are the dukes that came of the Horites, Duke right. Leighton, Duke Sobel, Duke Sibion, Duke, Duke Anna. Uh -huh. And of course, that is just one verse. But all the sons of, of um, Esau and the descendants were called dukes. The so-called, uh, the heads of their tribes. But they are not called tribes, they are called dukes, right, dukedoms, right yeah, yeah so uh, throughout uh, the Bible there's always these really sharp distinctions between the bloodline of Seth and the bloodline of Cain although there is, let me put it this way <laughs> Nibblehorse puts in a, a, a profile of a Hittite oh my goodness, looks like the devil himself Anyway, yeah, the Hittites were very evil people. I have a feeling that they actually came from uh, what's the the, uh, the the area where Cain settled. 
when he was kicked out of uh, out of the garden. They probably he yeah. the, he, uh, he created the Hittite uh, race, for lack of a better term, and they just spread around uh, uh, through uh, uh, Turkey, what is now known as Turkey. All right. So yeah. yeah. So uh, but uh, yeah, Brahm asks a question: <laughs> Is it Ashar? A-S-H-A-R, or Yashar, with a Y, Ya-Yashar. What do you think? Uh, it, it is given in, in the uh, Strong's Dictionary as Ash, uh, Ashar, but when it is pronounced, it comes with a Y in the front as Yashar. Yashar, okay. That is why Yashar L. Well, that sounds the, like the, the name of Jasher. Jasher. His name is Yashar in the Hebrew. Yes. Okay. So uh, that, uh, yeah, again, we see now, the, but the, what, the point I was going to bring up is that both Cain and Esau gave names to their descendants, which are similar to that of, of our bloodline. You know, I, I think to create deliberate confusion. So that people, you know, when, when you read the, about the descendants of Cain, uh, let's see if I can. Uh, oh, Ruel, okay. And Genesis thirty-six four, and Ada bare Esau to Esau Eliphaz, and Bashemath bare Ruel, okay. But Ruel is the oh. name of, uh, or the title at least, of the father-in-law of Moses, and but his daughter was Zipporah, okay. So yeah. they, you know, the Edomites and the Canaanites, uh, and the Canaanites give similar names to their offspring just to create confusion. So we have to have a very careful genealogy to distinguish them. Back to you. Very much the same with the name Enoch. Uh Yes. There's an Enoch and also in uh, Sims, or or not Sims, but rather Seth's descendancy. Yes. The one is the good Enoch and the other one was the bad Enoch. Yes, right. Okay, so in Genesis 36, 6, And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all of his substance which he had got in the land of Canaan and went, went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. And that is what is called in the New Testament, Idumea. So Esau lived in Idumea, right? Uh, or Idumea, but yeah. I pronounce it Idumea. And uh, that was on the southern border of Judah. Okay? So, yeah, yeah, and from which uh, they were able to antagonize the Judahites forevermore, you know? And they're still antagonizing us. So you have to know the geography. You have to know the genealogy. You have to know the history of the Bible to get all these names straight. Yeah. Okay? What about five minutes left? Well, Pastor, just something of interest. Um, what um, you know? How, how many times I've actually said that the uh, Cape Dutch Afrikaners are assimilating the Boers for the right. purpose of deception and right. the um, identity of the Boers right. for the purpose of eventually genocide um, of the Boers, so that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners can um, can. I check the identity of the Boers and leaving the Cape Dutch Afrikaners with this tremendously rich history of the Boers right. with the uh, governance that they made and the battles that they had won, etc. So this looks good for the Cape Dutch Afrikaners with the Edomite uh, uh, ancestry. Yes. Now, exactly the same thing happened with the House of Jacob uh, in, in um, the areas of uh, well, in, in Canaan, after they had entered Canaan, now something that must also be said is that with the conspiracies that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had um, uh, agreed upon with, for example, the Rothschilds to have the Rothschilds force the British government to the edge of bankruptcy to force Britain's whole empire, the whole British empire, into a war with the Boers. This conspiracy had already occurred before the birth of the Messiah uh, on various occasions. The Edomites also conspired with King Nebuchadnezzar to um, 
take the uh, the whole of the house of Jacob into um, w- w- what do you call Bollingskop to take them into um, oh, tribute, uh, and, tribute into slavery, right? To, yeah, just say again. Yeah, a tribute would be one translation, you know. But slavery is good, yeah. Well, 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 they also conspired with the king of Assyria to go and uh, to to draw the sword against the ten northern tribes and the king of Nebuch- King Nebuchadnezzar a second time to go and lay the sword uh, against the two southern tribes. Right. Uh, Got uh, writings about, and I also have writings about the Edomites of Rome having um, gone to um, suppress the uh, 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 what do you call it, the uprising of the Judeans, right? In the year sixty nine seventy, Titus, the son of Flavius uh, uh, Flavius Vespasian, to go and um, rob the temple and also to take uh, the believers in the Nazarene, the Nazarenes, to take them custody and to draw them all the way back to Rome where they were. um, uh, uh, Well, all the things that we heard that happened to the Christians in the Colosseum, etc., that was done to the, the, the believers in the Messiah that had lived in Jerusalem and in Vians and also Samaria and also in um, in uh, Asia Minor, uh, those uh, cities and those assemblies which Paul had uh, written to um, Corinthians and Galatians and Thessalonica, etc. Right. They actually right. went and arrested all believers in the Messiah and they had taken them back to the circus of Caesar Flavius Vespasian. Okay. And uh, that became what is today the Vatican. Right. <laughs> the, I, I get the, you. I get you. All right. Okay, just one, one, sorry, one more verse because uh, it's Genesis thirty six fifteen. These were the dukes of the sons of Esau. In other words, it means chieftains, Okay. And it uh, calls a lot of them Duke thereafter. Okay, we have less than two minutes left. Back to you. Uh, Pastor, yes. Um, this has all been uh, contriving by the Edomites throughout the ages, drafting conspiracies against the house of Jacob for the sake of annihilating yes. the house of Jacob by Amen. genocide. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, this is biblical history that is totally unfamiliar to people outside of identity. They just don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. So uh, for all of you dukes and and princes out there, (laughs) we are princes, the Jews are dukes, and never the twain shall meet. All right? Thank you, everybody. Take care. Yahweh bless. And thank you, Pastor Martins. I think we lost him just uh, momentarily. Okay, all right. Thank Take you, care. Thank you. And praise Yahweh. You too. Yahweh bless.